This is Escaping Vanity, and this is Michael Craver. I'm coming to you from the heart of North Carolina. I've done a couple of these episodes, or at least I've recorded some. Uh, I'm not sure what order they're going to go up in, but this was a focus on my piece that I wrote called Mannerisms. And surrounding that was a lot of me coming out and the journey that I've been on the last year or so just being able to sit back and uh, you look at what's working for you, maybe what's not working for you is a good way to say it. But the more that I would ask questions, which is something I've done my entire life, I encourage anybody to just ask. You want to make more money at a job? Hey, what have I got to do? You know, where's the opportunity? What are the expectations? Because everywhere that I've worked has a little different criteria. Some places are very clear. You have to be promoted to get a raise. Other places uh, have benchmarks, and you can become, you know, what they may deem an all-star or someone who knows all the stations or whatever that might be. Um, those are positions that have incremental things and not just one title change raise, but you could get an increase as time goes on uh, more frequently. And um, if you have a job that is based off of, you know, commission and you want to negotiate a new percentage and that sort of thing, go to them, man. Maybe do your homework with the people around you. And I'm not telling you to go behind everybody's back and go to other competitors and just try to pit people against one another. Because at some point, they're going to stop playing that game. It's not a wise decision. Um, if you're coming up against uh, a big turn in the road, a big fork in the road, uh, then, yeah, there's, there's times when you need to slow down and, and see what's around the other side or you know which path should you take. I think that's an important thing for everybody. I've been interviewed by a bunch of restaurants during this shutdown. I like where I'm at. It's a very nice, uh, very nice steakhouse. Uh, they spent a lot of money when they interviewed me. You know, they told me, you know, this is a place where we don't just turn the tables over and people like to have a dining experience. And I said, great, great. I'm looking around and they spent a lot of money to decorate the place, a lot of woodwork and the wine wall has got, you know, hundreds of bottles of wine on it and the private dining room there's a waterfall bar i mean there's a great deal of money that's just been spent on the scenery whereas uh, most folks you know when you go to these other places they have vintage signs which are a cheaper form of decoration um, they have things that are painted woodworking i mean they're they're inexpensive forms they don't require a specialty or interior design and they certainly aren't uh, individual pieces of, let's say, nostalgia, or in this case, liquor, uh, that cost you uh, a significant amount of money per item. Usually you go somewhere else, you can watch, and, and someone is putting up murals, they're donating, that kind of thing. It's good to be in nicer places. As you move through your life, and you find efficiency, and you get more skill, more education, you're rising above what used to be... Um, the minimum wage, the minimum skill, and you become more and more of the man or the chivalrous sort of person who is able to talk to people, hopefully, in a more clear way as your life goes on, right? When you're looking to be able to solve problems and have better relationships, be a better father, a better neighbor. For me, uh, in the last year, uh, and I was on a, a dinner date, um, I helped a girl set up her aesthetic salon um, twice, three times now. Three times. She's been in four places. And 
did a wonderful job, I thought. And there was a few nicks, and we went in, and you know, I told her how to fine tune the last few things. But we were at dinner, and I said, you know, my intelligence is what I would consider statistically to be, you know, at a, at a very high level. And when you when you put that down on paper and say, here's someone else who doesn't rise up to that level or who doesn't you know, have that blessing. Uh, I should be able to do everything they can do, right? We're all different. Not everybody can do everything. Like, the, you know, the, the CEOs can't do everybody's job below him. So let's be very clear about that. However, in my uh, experience with where I started in restaurants years ago, you had to be able to do every single job to be able to be the person who supervised those jobs. And that, to me, is a wonderful asset. I've been in places where they hired me into a supervisor's position, and I said, you know, I'd really like to work some of the lower positions first so I know what the shortcuts are and the different avenues people can take to know if we're getting the best performance out of them. We have best practices, right? But there are people who can circumvent the best practices uh, and do uh, what they would consider working smarter, not harder. But maybe not, that's not what's best for uh, the operation uh, at large, right? There's Sometimes you've got to work hard, harder than you want to, because it's for the good of everybody. And that's true in your community and everywhere. And that's part of what my piece, Mannerisms, was about. I opened a file up. I started, you know, just logging different things about what it would be to be a man, you know, being able to fix these kinds of things, being able to command a room and, and, and be a great presence in a relationship to, you know, what you would do for your family, for your girl, for your, your neighbor, uh, how reliable and accountable you should be as a person. And I think th- that is uh, extremely important uh, to me as time has gone on because, uh, you try things your own way, right? You'd see how many of those white lies and how many things you can get over with. And don't get me wrong, because my approach has never been malicious. It's never been, okay, I'm going to do this that's going to hurt somebody. And if it hurts them, it hurts them. It was an instance where you would make that choice only when you didn't think they were going to, to find out or it wasn't going to hurt them and it would not affect them. Like if what they don't know can't hurt them, kind of, you know, the old adage. So I don't, something in the last year has just been very different about me. I've not been in a, you know, uh, let's say I've, well, I've not been committed, but also that uh, I had a lot of freedom to just sit down where it's spatial, where it's been empty and right. And what I would do, and I, I mean, I have a lot in the drawer here, I would sit in silence and just sit with the legal pad. And some nights I wouldn't write anything. Some nights I'd write two things, uh, usually keeping it to a page and then going from there. Like later, I would type it up. Maybe weeks later, I would type it up and, and edit it. And, you know, that was sometimes more of a rough version. Sometimes that was exactly how it came out. And you'll see those things on the mlcraver.com or on my Facebook. But uh, those times were very interesting to me because I had like one CD or sometimes I'd leave some music going on the Bluetooth speaker or something. But a lot of reflection. A lot of reflection, almost like a rite of passage sort of feeling. 
And the more I did a lot of that stuff, the more I felt like super like independent and, you know, not that I didn't already take care of my own things, but in a whole different way, like where I was testing my aptitude to do new things. Uh, for instance, a fixture, the light, the lamp that's hanging out of the brick on the outside of the house was loose. Now, inside of your electrical socket, like your electrical socket is is in the wall and you're, you know, you're like in a regular electrical socket, it's got the plates with the two receptacles for you to plug in your, uh, you know, whatever, your vacuum or other gadget, right? Uh, behind that plate is this outline. It's a polymer. It's a plastic box, electrical box, right? And those are very cheap and... Um, they don't seem like that much of a pain in the ass. But the way in electrical outlet is in brick is that the house is built with the wires set up and the box is laid into the brick. So you <laughs> you you have to find a way to get it out of the brick and put a new one back into the brick, uh, hopefully without having to do any mason work. And so that is... Uh, a difficult prospect in some ways, and I was able to do it, uh, but it's it was not the smoothest operation. I essentially took pliers, and, and after I was able to break the existing box up so it was small enough to come out of the brick, and, you know, I turned off all the power and did all that stuff and unwired. It. It's a it's a hanging lamp outside the house at this point because it's not mounted to anything so it's and it's above my head so it's heavy it's got to be wired and then that has to be hooked to a plate which has to be hooked into the wall it's much the same way that uh, a tv is mounted to the wall you don't mount the tv directly into the drywall you mount the tv to the hanger to the wall and so uh, i didn't look any of it up i just <laughs> i just turned off the power and started un screwing the caps on the electricity and, and on the wiring and, and doing different things to try to okay here's what happens here's what okay the lamp can sit on the ground now get a new box okay okay and i run out and i get the new box and i don't it doesn't look like it's going to work because you have to fit it into an opening it's not big enough for and uh, that's one of those that's what she said things but it's just a difficult, you know, thing uh, to, to run into that and not know. Today, I would feel very comfortable about it. I've tried other projects. I've been very good. At the time, I was trying a new avenue of, of doing something different. And in the last uh, couple of months, like, I got up on Monday last week, and I push mow the yard. It's a reel mower, or what they call a reel, R-E-E-L, where you push the wheels, it turns the blades. There's no motor. Old school. So 20-inch Scotsman. Um real mower and i got it at home depot it's like 60 bucks or something it was on clearance where it's usually like 140 50 look it up and it runs on manpower that's what i say right <laughs> so i'm proud of that i then pressure washed uh about a i guess it's eight by 50 so about 400 square feet of driveway and uh then took a nap and did some other stuff and then i went to work for the for the evening and you go work in this nice restaurant wearing slacks and button-down shirts. and you know, The best hardware I got at work is I'm, I've got a Leatherman all-in-one tool. I'll show it to you. And, and my wine opener. I keep those two things. 
in my pockets at all times. So, you know, I've got the pliers and all the gadgets that are inside. And so it comes in handy because every now and then there's a pepper grinder. We hand grind all the peppers that won't come undone or something else that gets jammed up. And you need tools. Um, I enjoy sort of having that silliness about me. Like, who carries that stuff? You're just a server. Yeah, but I want to be able to fix anything that comes up, right? So it helps. Um, I'm trying to think if I've had to use it at a table yet. I don't I don't think so. I'll look, keep you updated. But I went out in my yard and did this physical stuff and on the driveway and did this physical stuff and then went to work and in a climate-controlled, very nice environment. There's beautiful steaks and salmon and desserts and... It's not work. It's a very delightful experience. And you get paid. A performance fee is what I now call it, right? Because they pay part of your taxes when you're a server. That's it in North Carolina, two thirteen an hour. And then every other dollar comes from the audience. It comes from patrons and people who are sitting with me. And so I feel like that's a very honest living, right? Because they're paying you your living wage, more or less, Uh that's probably the wrong term there, but they're giving you what you take home, and you're, you know, you're, uh, you're not a televangelist. You would be. I'll see if I can come up with a word for that. But you're you're a performer for sure. And what we do with with our job is a lot of anticipating what people are going to need and asking and answering a lot of questions and giving direction. And I feel great about it because I eat so much protein was you know i eat a lot of chicken and steak and beef and so when people ask me what's good i say that's good it's worth the money right and it's not a selling uh situation because to me i'm just recommending something that i would do the same right i'm not selling you something that i have i'm recommending something that somebody else has makes sense so in the course of those um experiences and my experience like your growth to become a man these stories come in handy to be able to talk to people at the restaurant you know you guys doing all right where are you from what do you do and i ran into a lot of people that i know because i work in a restaurant that's central to many of the communities that i've lived in and it's for special occasions more or less you come in you do a birthday a celebration of some kind of retirement from work maybe just a meeting but most people are not there for an everyday meal it's usually a, a nice date, special occasion, okay? And so we ask those things on the reservations, and we have desserts in the back. We have cheesecake bites that are, I guess, two inches by two inches, and uh, we fashion those as servers however we feel like doing them. So there's uh, like a white chocolate sauce, there's a raspberry sauce, there's a triple berry, there's blackberries and blueberries and strawberries and you know this hand done whipped cream that's done with the cream and a co2 it's it's uh interesting to go back there and just see some of the dishes or i guess they're all just cheesecake desserts that people are able to visualize and then make happen walk out there and a lot of people will take a larger plate and write something by hand i don't it's a little much for me i'm i'm not writing anything in jail or whatever that food coloring stuff is. But I have a lot of fun bringing those things out sometimes to tables and, and saying, here you go. Oh, we didn't know. Yeah, well, that was that's why. I didn't want you to know. 
It's one of the reasons I write letters to people. Like on Mother's Day, I did about 20 pages worth of letters, 25 maybe. And, you know, like my sister-in-law and the mother of my kids and my mom and, you know, grandmother and stepmother. The, I mean, my favorite one this year um, was the one I put on my website. You can go to M.O. Craver or on my uh, Facebook group and you see that. And it's um, called Anything But Lazy. And it's a playoff of lazy, the lazy Susan that you put anything on to spin around. Now, you know, part of what I would call your evolution into being a man is your peripheral. Your ability to notice, like, you're looking around the room, you're seeing the cracks that, you know, things settle, okay? And so you're going to have cracks as a house ages and, you know, Things divide, they separate, the molding comes off the wall, the door, there's a little bit of extra space in the jam. And you need to just do a little touch-up. Maybe you need to hit a nail, maybe you need to tighten a screw, maybe you need to put some weather stripping. It's, it's simple stuff, man. It takes forever for that to happen, and not very long at all to fix it. Not The ratio is right. And so I look around at things like that, and, and metaphorically, as a man, you're looking at cracks in the foundation sometimes um you should be looking at cracks in your relationships in the community in your home and those things are very important to me to be able to notice uh what is happening if someone is upset if someone needs something and sometimes you just want to make life easier for somebody else uh, be it giving tithes to the church, or my dad is very big on giving blood. He gives platelets, I guess, the maximum times. 24 times a year he goes and gives platelets. He he describes it to me as his like movie experience. He goes and picks out a movie and watches that, and they take platelets out of his arm. What, he's a generous guy. What can I say? Uh, it's a shining example for me, and that's for sure. Um, and that leads me to, to other things that I was thinking about, like honeydew lists and having lists of things that you're going to, maybe they want you to do. They've Not your anticipation side, but your reaction side. Hey, did you? No, I'll, but I'll do that for you. Honeydew. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I've always got like a little list of something either in my head or coming up because it keeps me feeling productive. I mean, I wake up, and you can mow the yard, and you can do this other stuff, and then you feel like, man, what am I going to do for three or four hours? And I know some people are like, what am I not going to do for three or four hours? I feel like I've reversed that in the last year. It would have been like, man, well, I ain't got nothing to do till Friday. <laughs> and, and now I'm like, okay, I did this large or this very labor-intensive project yesterday. What's it going to be tomorrow? You know, like this week, I've I've been doing some landscaping stuff for my mother, and she had a crepe myrtle tree. So if you're on my Facebook, it's it's been taken down. I chopped it down with my hand. Uh, she had borrowed a chainsaw from my brother and said it needed oil. Okay, well I didn't want to wait, so I took an axe and cut that bitch down, and then I cut it in half. It's probably twenty seven or eight feet tall. Um, the village um that she lives in or the the town will come pick up brush or whatever once a month so um i had called them previously last year when i cut some trees up that fell during some storms 
and they said it has to be this much around and less than 16 feet long. So I cut that damn thing in half, and I carried each half of it to the road. It probably weighed about 250 pounds for each side. And uh, then I went to work on the snub. And it was a very uh, healthy tree, let's put it that way, because you'd hit it, and it would just it would just sink into that those healthy uh, juices that were in the stump. And so I had not anticipated that my screen was going to go off. I, I, had, I had quite a time over the course of probably two hours and seven or eight sessions cutting that stump a, a little bit off and a little bit off and a little bit off and breaking it up to get it out of the ground. And I found that underneath it were some rock, some concrete pieces, some brick pieces. So I don't know if that's where they threw uh, some debris from when they built her house, but the axe certainly made some interesting sparks as I swung it into the roots, and then it would ching, and, you know, I was wondering, am I hitting electricity? She's got natural gas. Like, <laughs> What am I risking to get this stump out of the ground? But, it, you know, I, I'm all right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm safe today, but uh, I guess it could have gone differently. I don't know. But that leads me to, to some other stuff that I was thinking about, like, uh, I've got some notes written here and, you know, I've, I've got still, I've got blisters on my hands that are, that popped and were gone away and, and these rough spots on the back of my hands. Cause you pull the ax and then your hand rubs against the back of your thumb. I'm left hand on the bottom guy. Um, for anybody wondered and, <laughs> and because I hit baseball that way, when you swing away and you you have a right handed swing, which is what I'm referring to, by the way, um, you have certain strengths that come from that, like your joints and, and everything. You, your practice will uh, avoid a lot of other problems. You're doing stuff on a regular basis. You're not tearing your muscles. You're not stretching this. You're not going to pop something out because you're used to being uh, quite dexterous. And, that, and that's good to me. Like You don't want to just get up one day and start running for, out of nowhere. You'll tear something. You'll pull something. You'll hurt something. So those wonderful handyman things make your hands nice and strong and vascular and everything uh i used to when i was younger i don't know if i can still do it i haven't done it in such a long time I have these tendons that come out underneath of my arms and they'll just pop right out right and i don't know if that's from playing baseball or basketball or a combination of wrestling and a lot of things but um you can carry plates maybe a little bit farther than you should. You can clean a table a little bit better than somebody else because you can lift more than they can. Maybe you can organize it and you can your center of balance or your ability to last just like five more steps into the kitchen with something heavy. Well, that puts you ahead. It means you can flip your tables faster. It means that you can carry things uh, from a larger party and clear more of the table. You know, you can basically make more money because of those things. And that comes in handy, so that's another reason to be a good handyman at home, home and work, sort of having a an indirect relationship with one another. And to me, there's benefits back at home for that. you got great hands. I mean, you give great foot massages or shoulder and back and whatever. Because who wants to have achy and arthritis-ridden hands and you know not be able to do something that's very intimate, right? Rubbing somebody's feet and that kind of thing can be uh, some of the 
most relaxing pieces of the day or maybe the month, the, the year, depending on how often you're uh, – it doesn't have to be a significant other, but depending on how often the person who is performing that task for you does it, uh, that can be a very special and very uh, unexpected and rare treat for you. Um, or for them, if you're a nice person and you're going to give them a nice old-style hand-foot massage, they make some nice, I guess they're wooden rollers that you can put your feet on and roll back and forth, and that, that's like a manual massage. Or Obviously, we have the, the water bath and the jets and the other sort of electrical things that would vibrate the bottom of your feet and just the same way that you can sit on your back and these chairs at the mall you put quarters and those are interesting ways to sort of loosen up and have a massage but for me the the work feeds the passion right so you're you're maintaining yourself your home the community around you and then you take those benefits those rewards of having the the great hands or whatever back home and you think man i'm you know i'll give you another example like if you're at the restaurant and you're learning how to cook take that home with you i'm not telling you to steal from the restaurant but that knowledge doesn't leave you go buy a knife buy great ingredients practice at home and then maybe take it back to work i watch a lot of youtube videos and sort of things uh in my downtime like Maybe the best way to polish glasses is something that, you know, somebody passed along one way of polishing glasses to a lot of the people on my staff, our staff, the, the restaurant staff, and that's the way everybody does it. But I was watching a young man who had been doing it in a fine dining restaurant, and I thought, that's really cool. I remember one day I was at a different restaurant in, in High Point, North Carolina, and I just started picking up plates, two at a time, where I'd put... Um, like one plate between these fingers and then one plate between or one plate between up here and then a plate between the fingers and he carried two, you know. And I thought is that real? You know, this guy's doing some sort of sleight of hand. He wasn't. Now he can carry two in his hand. He's not stacking them up his arm. It looks, you know, I thought that was damn cool. I'd never seen it before, and I started doing it, and I've never seen anybody else do it. Now, they'll get on to me where I work now because they think the plates are going to touch each other. Have some trust and some faith in your employees. You know what I'm saying? Um, what else have I got in my notes here? Yeah, learning online, polishing the glasses. I had a little incident with my car mirror last week. Last No, it's been a Friday previous and so i guess it's been it's supposed to be delivered today tomorrow uh whatever time i'm recording this it's light outside it's still sunday evening july the 5th um on the previous friday so i guess it's been nine days uh, a barrel construction barrel uh, jumped out of where it used to be, and ran into my car. No, I ran into it. And uh, it, when you hit the back of your driver's side mirror, depending on what you're driving, but you know, most of those, you hit something in a good speed, it, it whips the mirror either into the car or it just shatters the mirror, um, at least the shell around the mirror and probably breaks the mirror at, you know, right there instantly. And so when mine broke, um, I was embarrassed by that. You know, that's how I felt. So I just said to myself, you know, I've been doing all this handyman stuff. I'm going to fix this damn mirror myself. So 
I got to looking at it, and I know that how to pop a door panel off and stuff like that in the car. So I was able to get the mirror off, called around the next morning. It was like $72. It was AutoZone and um, O'Reilly's and Advance Auto Parts It's what's here. And I called each place, and it was anywhere from $72 to like $85. And I just said, wow. Because I'd already looked it up on the Internet, and it was like 29 bucks, And I knew I'd probably have to pay some shipping. But you're talking like half. Now, I've been driving around with the outside of my car covered with, you know, plastic uh, so that rain doesn't get into that electrical terminal and stuff that runs the mirror controls. But I'll have it fixed tomorrow, and I'll feel great about it. Like, from there, there's a, another door on my car, and I've had a couple of, you know, it, it's kind of high mileage at this point. It's 2006. It's a nice Honda Accord hybrid with leather seats and heated whatever the fuck, and great. So... Uh, one of the motors that makes the door mechanism lock and unlock uh, is burned out. So you can do it by hand, but you can't do it you know, with the electronics or with the key fob. That might be something I'll do next, where I'll order the uh, little mechanism, the motor that locks that door on the passenger side, and I'll take that door off and I'll replace it myself without paying a mechanic. Now, my car needs a timing belt, but I, I'm not going down that road. It's a hybrid. There's electrical wires running through the engine. and uh, I just I looked at it like this. It, even if you're a handyman and a guy who wants to do it all yourself, all right, is it cost-effective? Because what would it cost me to have to like buy the tools to do that job and then the learning curve and the risk of failure versus paying someone, and then they would stand behind their work. So that's always something I'm keeping up here. Uh, and and the, the timing belt might be a little far-fetched, uh, especially you know for, for right now and with it being a hybrid. But I have found so many things that I just love to have a little story about. It's probably not even worth anything to anybody else. I'm telling it on this, this podcast episode, but for instance... Um, I was learning how to pressure wash the driveway by trial and error. I didn't go watch videos on it where I, I probably could or should have. Uh, it's a Craftsman 3000 PSI, like 190cc. It's a very powerful pressure washer I was using. But the different heads do different things. And then my brother had this, uh, and I, had, I looked it up before this episode. Uh, it's called Briggs & Stratton, and it's the head the disc that you can hook the pressure washing wand into to do the driveway where it's got jets inside and it moves around much like the uh, floor vacuums that you can buy now the robotic you know that work by their own and so once i kind of got the feel for things i felt like i was i was going fast and i could see a big difference and i took pictures i was very proud of it mother's trying to sell the house that i'm doing it and on and so you know, it's got. I want it to look its best, right? You're not doing a job that's an experiment, and if it goes bad, it goes bad. And you know, I'm living with the ugly job that I did. Some guy or couple family may potentially buy that home, and so I want the driveway to look good for them when I finish. It doesn't need to be redone one time, and that's you know going to be good enough to last. And and I hope that's true. So. Um, I, I feel very good to be to be able to, you know, sort of 
learn those those things. I mean, now I, I was I'm pressure washing and I'm listening to my headphones and I'm thinking to myself like I could do this. Like I don't own a truck, I own a car. But like if I owned a truck, I could throw a lot of hose in the back and some different attachments and, and a ladder and I could pressure wash on the side. Like I I don't mind getting the residue or the splash back on me. I'm listening to great music and it's I'm out in the sunshine. Now I got uh an extraordinary suntan from being out there for like five hours just pressure washing the driveway with no shirt. But <laughs> driveway looked really damn good. I just ended up peeling a few days later and, and uh you know had some constant pain for a while. Uh, it's it's just one of those things, you know, it's you know, being a man. You know, you take what comes with it. Like, you're going to stay out in the sun, you might get burned. You know? uh, but I wasn't going to give up. That's one of my things. Never missed a day of work. I wasn't about to give up on that driveway. Now, the other thing I've got written here is controlling a room. You know, like, you're you're the guy. Can you come in? Can you diffuse a situation? Can you settle a dispute between maybe yourself, your spouse, your children, strangers, uh, people who work with you, under you, over you? Uh I think that's important to be able to know where uh, stability lies, to know where you can grab onto things and pull them back into a peaceful state. That's important to me because if you can do that, then you almost master the world around you, not just having like inner peace and that stuff, but to be able to genuinely say that here is something that was going wrong and I was able to take the wheel, take the reins and get it back under control and keep disaster from happening. Uh, maybe bring it back after it's become a disaster. You know, you're rebuilding, you're repairing things. It's part of being a handyman, isn't it? It's disasters happen and somebody's got to bring um, relief. Things will never really be the way they used to be. But you can do the best with your you know, presentation and trying to set things up to have the best future possible. And we've done that a lot as, as a society. So part of that aspect of being able to sort of control the room is not just being able to diffuse things. Sometimes it's being able to engage people. Can you give a good speech? Can you tell a good joke? You know, do you... And, and obviously those things have a lot of free speech elements here in America, but they also have a lot of boundaries and things that go around them uh, with political correctness and depending where you are, what you can say. If you're at work, you may not want to go into these sort of uh, out-of-bounds things, these politically incorrect things that could risk reputation because it's important to maintain reputation. You're, are you working smarter and not harder, Right. Uh, one of the things that I do with my tables, and, and I think it's part of being a man, is to give people their space, which has been hard for me in personal relationships. You see somebody hurting, you see somebody who ignores you, or, you know, I was dating a girl who was very, like, wanted her own space, time, whatever to grow. And as you worry about that person, you may think of them as family, and so they're constantly on your mind, and you still have to be able to sort of step back. And just let, you know, you don't want to let disaster happen so that they come crawling back to you. 
But at the same time, you want to be able to, you know, I believe from my philosophy that you want to be able to let them know that you're there and you're a support system. You're pulling for them. Don't, don't forget about me. If you making a turn and you're thinking about taking a risk or nobody's going to bail you out or, you know, you're in the darkness and don't have anybody to talk to, you know, just shoot me a line. No hard feelings. And that to me is, is very important. And with people that come into the restaurant, they're looking for a good experience, you know, and it's easy for me to say, you guys doing all right? Excellent. You might have noticed that I'm not big on interrupting people. And I'll tell people that after I've not been maybe at their table for a, a while because I want to give you your space. You know, I'll come by and check on you for the pertinent things. Did you get, you got what you ordered? It's up to your expectations. All right, now I'm going to come back and and just check on you and see how you're doing. You know, this is yours to do with as you please, you know, now that you've gotten what you wanted and it's up to your expectations. And so... To me, that's important. Um, like when you're driving a car. Okay, think about it like this. You're having a meal. You're trying to have a conversation. You're trying to have an experience. As a man, you're trying to get something done, and someone interrupts you. You have to hit a wall and stop, maybe restart, right? And if you're eating, and someone comes by, and they're asking you a question while you're chewing, which is the classic you know, thing that waiters are notorious for, uh, you've got to sort of... Stop what you're doing, be a little embarrassed, or you know, and then try to answer them. And I've tried to take the legwork out of that. Like when I'm driving my car, one of my goals is as I'm coming up to a stoplight or anything where I'm coming to a halt to let off the gas at an approximate distance where I'm going to roll up to that point, a stopping point, and you're not going to have that little bump when you get right up to the stop line where the car jumps a little bit and it throws you toward the dashboard or whatever. And I want it to be very smooth. Uh, often, uh, I'm rolling up like that and I never have to hit the brakes. The car comes to a halt and then um, from the halt, uh, I take off again. I never hit the, you know, the brakes. So behind me, you know, you might think, Where's this guy's brake lights? Well, there ain't going to be no brake lights because I, I was driving that way to begin with. And that's my goal is to not have to hit the brakes, not have to use my brakes. I don't want to be burning up uh, gas for any reason. Uh, ironically, I drive a hybrid car, which has EcoBoost, which means whenever you hit the brakes, it's supposed to take that uh, energy that is kinetic energy, energy in motion. And it's supposed to capture that energy as you hit the brakes and put it back into the batteries and charge the batteries with it. And it does. I mean, it's got a meter for it. But uh, ironically enough, I'm not a guy who likes to hit the brakes a lot. It's not my thing. Uh, though I have a car that's going to gain or capture the energy so that you're not really wasting it. I've got, you know, basically a car that I, with a feature that doesn't necessarily apply to me. That's a good way to say it. Just like in a curve, you know, you you let off the gas going into a curve so you don't have to hit the brakes. And the apex is the peak of the curve. So when you see the sign on the side of the road that says 25 miles per hour for this curve, generally the apex, the speed, um, that the maximum uh, a vehicle will go around it and maintain control is 15 miles per hour over. So if it says 25, it's 40 and so forth. Now, if you go into the curve after you've let off the gas and you're heading into that curve 
and you've done it appropriately, you can punch, yeah, I'm just say punch it, you can put the pedal to the metal uh, after you've passed the apex, and it will slingshot all of that energy with centripetal force and give you a nice uh, boost. You'll never lose it. It's like coasting with a bicycle down a hill and then back up, and you're going to, you know, now it's time. To, now do it. Pedal faster, harder. And those things are important to me in, in terms of not wasting your energy, right? It's same way when I'm mowing the yard. I mean, I mow it in a pattern where I'm not stopping and starting, especially with that push mower. It's not the same as a ZTR where it's always in motion and every direction works. When I get to the end of something, I've got to make the most efficient decision possible to turn and get those wheels started back up again to start mowing again. It's not the first little bit of stuff that I push toward, it's not going to cut because the wheels have to be in motion to begin the process of turning the blades. So that to me is important. And you don't want to leave behind a bunch of uh, ugly growth and, and nasty looking yard. I mean, I've gotten to where I can basically mow it in a pattern where what I do specifically is the wheelbase, I guess, is like 22 inches because the blades are 20. And as I'm going, I row, I do a row, and then I move half so that my next wheel is in the middle of the path I used to have. Or the outside wheel is in the middle of the path I'm now on. So you go from here to a half, and that's where I'm doing the next one, and then a half. And it works great for me. Am I covering some of the same ground twice? Yes. When you push it by hand, sometimes that's almost necessary to make sure that it gets all the grass cut up and it's ugly now to be cutting grass by hand or doing it manually uh, quite frankly because of the environment that we live in there's so much rain so much growth uh, it's a difficult thing it's a difficult thing and i enjoy the workout because i put my uh, little fake Fitbit. I think I paid like $27 for this, and it does, you know, steps and heart rate and all that stuff. Uh, actually, I didn't pay $27, but somebody got it from me, and when I put it on my Amazon list, it was like $27. Uh, I got it for Christmas, and it will sync up to your smartphone if you have uh, a desire to do that, and it'll chart your daily, you know, this, that, and the other. I never do that, but like I know last Monday when I push mode the yard, then pressure wash this, then went to work, I ended up with like 19,000 steps for the day. So I was happy with that. I don't know how many calories I burned because I don't have a device that's that fancy. Felt good. That's what matters to me. You know, you eat something that makes you feel good. You do something that makes you feel good. A song enhances your day. That, to me, was a nice experience. Um, but like I said, it's about, like, you know, being able to go back and look at that yard after I'm done with it. I, I took a few pictures, as I do, and I was happy with the way... The push mode yard worked uh, visually against the neighbor's yard, which was mowed with like a $2,800 John Deere riding mower. I watched the kid out there do it. So <laughs> I, I feel very good that my $60 mower does a comparable job. And I guess you could do the math and it goes into it like f almost 500 times you could buy my mower by the time. That doesn't seem right. Well, 50 would be, uh, 5 would be 300. 50 would be 3,000. I guess that would be right. Yeah, so you could buy that mower 50 times for what you could buy that, that riding mower. 
uh, or paying a monthly, like $50 a month. Um, my mower paid for itself right away for the first month. Uh, the rest of the year was free. You only pay for the first month to, to push mow it yourself. And it costs about an hour and 15 minutes of time. That's my, that's where I'm down to. Um, but I'm really happy with, with the things that I've been doing uh, to become a man and, and do you know more and more dexterous things to do. Like this year, I went and bought me uh, a Makita drill set, and I was doing you know some different things that I used to do by hand with a hammer and nails and screwdrivers or whatever way I was bootlegging it. I can't stress enough to you to do things with the right tool for the right job. It's worth the money to be able to have things in your arsenal that you can rely on. You know, if you were a person who's going to own a microwave, don't buy the cheapest one for what you're doing today. Buy one if you're going to have it in your home that's going to have the features and the power that you want for the future. I encourage you to do that for anything. You might only be making coffee now, but are you going to get into making iced coffee or whatever? Okay, well, think about a Ninja or whatever brand you're thinking about to be able to enhance your home and have a lot of different options to expand your knowledge base. And those things are fun, quite frankly. You know, as I've found, I'm not a big fan of the, let's say, Instant Pot, right? What does the Instant Pot have to do with being a man? But I've seen people make some interesting things with it, and that makes them feel good. And I just kind of sit and eat with them and reinforce how their recipe came together. And I'm perpetuating their happiness by enjoying the meal with them. And they did it their way. They did it not the way I wanted, because I didn't want none of that Instant Pot stuff at all, right? I tell them, just buy a crock pot or don't you have a pressure cooker. But, but they did it their way. And it's, in in a way, it's my job or my duty as a, as a man to give them great feedback. If it's genuinely good, I'm going to give you great, great feedback. Even in the worst of circumstances, I'm going to say something that's going to, you know, be like you, your time was worthwhile to try this and, you know, let's, let's, take the best of what we what we got here um one of the other things i have written here is the list of things it would take to marry my daughter which has nothing to do with the other things about being a man but uh it was i wrote that because you'd want a man to marry your daughter and there's a list that i started uh i cannot remember the name of the app for my life now uh but it's uh there's a synchronized Google Notepad app that with the Android phones. You sign into it with your Gmail and it saves your files. And maybe I'll go look it up. But I had started this list and it said, uh, like, here's some song lyrics for James Taylor or Credence Clearwater Revival or somebody. You know, do you know the next line of this song? Do you know what the piece underneath of a sink is called where the filter is at? It's the aerator. Like... It was little things like that. Like, do you know those things? Because you can't marry my daughter if you don't have these basic skills to be able to, like, fix things around the house or have some knowledge of, you know, what I would consider to be almost necessary history. Like, you, a good-spirited person would know these songs. They would have run into them either working in a restaurant or a, an office or something because of Muzak, because of Spotify or YouTube or whatever nowadays. You would have run across the classics, you know, how much do you realize and recognize what's around you? You know, 
I'm not saying you gotta I don't know, be a savant. I'm a I'm an easygoing guy. But it was very simple stuff. Like I'm from North Carolina. I grew up on folk music uh, with a guitar. So John Denver and Harry Chapin and James Taylor. A lot of things that were, you know, as my dad went through college, they had Simon and Garfunkel and Seals and Crofts and things of that nature. So I I love listening to that music. Uh, anytime somebody could put it on. Uh, when he was going to work with us, he turned on Oldies 93.1. Now today, that's called 93.1 The Wolf. And... It, the culture is very different today, but you know we'd be at work, we'd be listening to. Um, oh, he used to mess with the lyrics. He'd say, um, and then I'm. What is the lyric? He would say, um, "Taking you home and in your arms, you're iguana be or something like that. You're gonna be in my arms. You're gonna be or whatever the old. There's an old dance song, and he would say, "You're iguana be," and he would. He would play with some of the lyrics, or we would listen to things that were, you know, real jams um, for for him. You know, Freebird was like the hard chorus he ever got. And then when I got in high school, I discovered, you know, Metallica and Alice in Chains and all that kind of stuff. And, and so <laughs> that was my way of stepping it up a notch. But, you know, I've I've gone back to the to the root of things. And the being a man thing goes full circle. It goes back to being at my father's house. And just, I had dinner with him last Friday. And we walked the garden and he had fresh spaghetti squash and squash and zucchini and cucumbers. And there was, you know, so many plants. It's several hundred yards uh, in rows. I mean, you know, it's a couple of football fields. And... He's just walking it and checking it out and picking stuff, and he knew which ones were growing where. And I just thought, like, wow, it's like, that's his passion. And he's not some kind of foodie um, that's doing crazy thing with these vegetables. And he's not um, selling them. He's giving them away. He grows all of that stuff, puts them in a five-gallon bucket. And if you see him and he's got them, he'll ask you if you need some. Will you use them? How much? Take what you need. Take what you want. Doesn't want anything for them. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I love it. It goes right along with him giving blood and platelets and stuff. And it's gotten to me to where I'm like, I'm doing handyman work for people or, you know, helping maybe family out or girlfriend or whatever. And it feels fucking great, man. You go to work and you're doing what they're paying you to do. It doesn't feel like work. I'm I'm talking to coworkers and sharing the stories of, of where I've been. It's almost like, because I don't drink, it's almost like going to the bar or some community place and getting along with just regular dialogue. And to me, those are the things that, um, those stories and the way those things all come together and you share and you listen to other people are more of what, you know, comes full circle about being a man. It's, you know, the things you find and the other things other find, and you, that sharing of ideas really brings your level of understanding full circle. It also helps you practice listening, and you take that home, hopefully, to your loved ones, and you listen to them and anything they need and anticipate their needs, like I was talking about before. I mean, to me, that's a it's a big deal to be able to do that stuff. Um, it's an honor to have people who will spend time on you. 
And uh, I'm going to wrap this episode up. Uh, I read the mannerisms piece in a live video on my uh, Facebook group. Uh, so not going to read that today. But uh, I will attach the link to it and the video if you want to read it yourself. But I had a lot of fun with it. I hope that, you know, you're out there and you're being ambitious. If you don't know how to do something, look it up. Spend a few dollars and try. It's very rewarding. Very rewarding to be able to have these these eccentric skills, something that interests me or something I can help somebody else with. And to be able to have that and then share the memory and add the skill to my uh, repertoire. Like, there's not a price uh, or any value you can put on that accomplishment. I started this podcast out by talking about how to get increases at your job. You know, ask them what they need. I'm telling you, man, look inside and see what you need to unroll those extra layers. My video recording stopped, so I'm going to wrap this up. I've hit the video size limit. I'm, I'm very curious what that is. Before I wrap this up, I'm going to include that piece of information with this uh, episode. So it says the video size limit is 4.1 gigs. I look forward to posting this. If you've been listening to me, I completely appreciate every minute of your time, every second of your time. Uh, I think being humble and having that humility is part of being a man. I also think that because I spent some extra money on some of this stuff and I've tried to do the best job that I can do to uh, share my information in a meaningful way, I hope that you know maybe you get something out of it. You're making the investment or at least taking the time to listen to me. I hope something comes out of it for you. If it's because you decided to try a project, you, you decide to write the way that, that I write just because you want to find some peace, you want to get your creative outlet going, I love you for it. Uh, do what makes you happy. And if you want to share any of those things, my message box is always open. But um, be safe. I hope you had a beautiful 4th of July. I don't know when this is going up, but it's recorded on July the 5th. And this is Michael Craver saying thank you, and I'll see you again. <music>